Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word this morning and join me in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We'll spend our time this morning working through verses 1 through 11 in a series entitled Church on the Move. How many of you, by show of hands, enjoy waiting No hands are up. None of us enjoy waiting. We don't enjoy waiting when we're on the interstate and we run into traffic and we're just sitting there waiting. We don't enjoy waiting when we go to Walmart and out of 37 checkout lines, one's open. We don't enjoy waiting in the state of Florida with the exception of maybe Disney World. As a Georgia fan, we have been waiting for a national championship since 1980. Church, that's before I was born. That's a long time to wait. Yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but researchers have found that six months of our lives, in the entire lifespan that we have, we spend waiting. That's three days every year, 24 hours a day that we just spend waiting. This one will encourage you, 43 days of our lives are spent listening to automated phone callers. But here's the question, is there ever a good time to wait? And I think for all of us, we have an aversion to waiting. We don't want to wait. We don't want to have to stand in line. We don't want to have to stay on the phone. We don't want to have to wait for anything. We are an instant society. Give us what we want and give it to us now or we'll go somewhere else. And yet, as we're going to see this morning in Acts chapter 1, Jesus speaking to His disciples tells them, to wait. He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. This morning, we are going to look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The message is entitled, What's Missing? This is a passage of Scripture that we've walked through together as a church family. It's one of the five passages of Scripture in the New Testament. All of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, along with the book of Acts, gives us Jesus' mission for His church. We call that the Great Commission. We talked about it earlier in the announcement time that our mission as a church, our mission as individual believers is to make disciples. That is what God has called us 
to do. That's the reason that the church exists. And that great commission, what Jesus left his disciples with, is found in all four Gospels and here at the beginning of Acts in chapter 1. We've talked about that, and that is the centerpiece of Acts chapter 1, but there is a character that we encounter in Acts chapter 1 that I want to spend our time this morning focused in on. It's a character that is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus told His disciples that as they were looking to Him after His resurrection to wait as He left so that He could send his Holy Spirit to them. We're going to spend the next 10 months or so, not on Acts chapter 1, but on the book of Acts, where we're going to witness the church from its infancy, the church that is built on the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. That confession that Peter made, that Jesus said, On that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are going to get a front row seat to witnessing the birth and the growth of the church starting here in Acts chapter 1. I want to read for us these verses, and then we'll walk through them together. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when He was taken up, after He had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen. He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go in to heaven. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. 
And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit in this place. And we ask all of that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I want to encourage you as we begin this journey through Acts chapter 1 and through the rest of the book of Acts, that you spend time each week working through the passage of Scripture that we've just covered. I want you to internalize the truths that we discuss. I want you to be saturated in this new year with God's Word. I can think of no better way than for us every single week as we gather together to walk through this book, but then for you in your time with the Lord to spend working through it as well. You can do that in your regular copy of God's Word. There's a really neat thing that's been produced out there now. They're called Scripture Journals. You can get them for about five or six dollars on Amazon. You pick the book of the Bible. So for you, you would be picking the book of Acts. And you would order this Scripture Journal. It comes with the passage of Scripture on one page and then a blank page right beside it so that you can begin to take notes not only from the sermons on Sunday mornings, but also just in your personal time with the Lord as well. That would be a great post-Christmas present to yourself, okay? You have permission this morning to order those and to get that, all right? But as we walk through Acts chapter 1, I want to ask this question, what is missing in most churches? What is missing in this world? I'm confident this morning that churches are not missing what many of us may think that they are missing. You see, there's a prevailing mindset in church life, especially in the American context, that if we just do things bigger and better, If we just have more programs, if we just have a nicer building, maybe if we just have more worship services that cater to the specific needs that we have, maybe we want more something traditional and more something contemporary, maybe something kind of stuck right in the middle. We call that blended, and Pastor Scott can tell you that doesn't work. Or if we think we have this kid's program, or if we could just add a little bit more fellowship, or if we could just have this or that, that's what we're missing. I want to remind you this morning that I'm confident as we work through the book of Acts, we will encounter what is often missing in the life of many churches, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit of God at work in people's lives. I want you to notice with me, beginning in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the first book, Luke is the writer of Acts, is the one who is witnessing All of this take place, not only Jesus' life and ministry as he records in his gospel, the gospel of Luke, but in the book of Acts, he records the growth of the early church 
from its infancy until it is transforming the known world at that point. And so he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. This Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. After Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped foot out of heaven and came as we just celebrated at Christmas as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, that same Son of God grew up and lived a sinless and perfect life. He went to the cross for you and for me and laid His life down for us, died there on the cross, was buried But He rose again on the third day, what we celebrate at Easter and every single Sunday throughout the year, the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke says this risen Savior presented Himself to many after His resurrection. That they were able to see the risen Christ, Doubting Thomas was able to put his fingers in the nail-scarred hands and in the side of Jesus. The faith that we have is not a blind faith. It is faith in a risen Savior, a historical Jesus. Verse 4 says, while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what church? Let's try that one more time. You got to wake up in here this morning. But to, you may want to underline that in your Bible this morning. Jesus told his disciples to wait. None of us like to be told to wait. But if Jesus tells us to wait, what's coming must be pretty incredible. And for these disciples, they were to wait for the promise of the Father. What is that promise? He explains, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit Not many days from now. They were to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. The third person of the Trinity to arrive on the scene. See, Jesus said during His earthly ministry that there was one that He would send to them that would help them, that would encourage them, that would empower them to fulfill the mission that He had set before them. And He tells them here, Wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were expecting His disciples that Jesus... I mean, let's be honest. If you raise from the dead, you need to be in charge, right? 
And for them, that's what they wanted to see take place. They wanted to see it then and there. They wanted Jesus to step foot on the throne. They believed that He was King. They wanted to see Him assume the throne. And so they asked the question of Jesus, Is it now? Are you now going to step on the throne? Are you now going to be in charge? And He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The mission of making disciples throughout the world is contingent on the power of the Holy Spirit of God at work in the world. Now here's what's interesting, especially in Baptist life. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. We get a little antsy maybe when... We talk about the Holy Spirit. There's a joke that goes around in pastor circles that the Holy Trinity for us would be Father, Son, and Holy Bible. But I want to encourage you this morning as we walk through the book of Acts together, we are going to encounter the power and the work of the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And as we encounter that, as we witness that, as we sit on the front seat of history of the church moving forward and transforming the world, we are going to see the Holy Spirit of God and His power at work. And so I think it would be helpful for us this morning to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does as He works in the lives of believers, in the lives of unbelievers, and in the lives of churches. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea, and then we'll walk through as we talk about this morning the Holy Spirit and His power at work. Here's the main idea. It is impossible to fulfill the Great Commission without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to fulfill the Great Commission. The Great Commission Jesus just gave them in the text was to go and to make disciples beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and throughout the uttermost parts of the earth. That our calling as a church, our calling as individual believers is to share the hope that we found in Jesus Christ with everyone that we can share with. And so for us, as we see this morning, Jesus places the Holy Spirit's power at work at the beginning of being able to fulfill the Great Commission. Meaning, it is impossible to fulfill the Great Commission of making disciples of all nations apart from the power of the Holy Spirit at work. 
The truth is we desperately need the Holy Spirit of God at work in our lives and in the life of our church. Here's why. We desperately need the Holy Spirit because He brings conviction and clarity. Conviction and clarity. Here's what I mean by that. What the Scripture teaches us about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of unbelievers and in this world is that it is the role of the Holy Spirit to bring about conviction of sin in our lives. So for you who are believers here this morning, who have taken the step of trusting in Jesus as your Savior, that began with the Holy Spirit of God convicting you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That's where it started. And if that's where it started, it makes perfect sense that if we are to make disciples of all nations, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to convict people of their sin. Say, Michael... That just makes me feel bad. I mean, nobody wants to be convicted of sin, right? I mean, we're all good. We're all okay. You're okay. I'm okay. We're not okay. You don't believe me? Serve in the back with our kids. We are all born with a problem. That problem is called sin. We are born with it. It's interesting. You don't have to teach your kid how to sin. Have you figured that out? You don't have to. Because they are born in sin. Every single human being outside of Jesus Christ who was conceived of the Holy Spirit is a sinner. But there comes a point in our lives where We are convicted and recognize that we are sinners. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And so if you're a believer here this morning, there was a moment for you. I remember that moment for me when I was eight years old and my pastor shared with me that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And in that moment, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. And I knew that I needed to be saved from my sin. That is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. You may have come in this morning and for you, you've never taken that step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you're wondering this morning, what is that that I'm feeling right now? I kind of feel like that you're talking to me. I just want to encourage you this morning, that is the Holy Spirit of God knocking on the door of your heart and saying, you need help. And there's only one person who can help you. And his name is Jesus. And he laid his life down 
so that you could be forgiven of your sins and you could be made right with your heavenly Father who created you and loves you and has a plan for your life. And for you this morning, that knock at your heart's door is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And can I just say to you this morning, open the door. Recognize this morning and confess with your mouth that you are a sinner who needs to be saved from your sin. Why did the early church flourish the way that it flourished? Because as the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus' life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, as that message was proclaimed, the Holy Spirit of God was knocking on the hearts of people's lives. And they stepped back and they recognized that they needed to be saved. And we'll see that as we journey through the book of Acts. We'll see as the gospel is proclaimed, oftentimes the response of people is, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I do? If I'm a sinner and dead in my sin, how can I be saved from my sin? And you can be saved from your sin by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. That's the message that is proclaimed. That's the conviction that's felt. But it's encouraging to me that that conviction is not just for the unbeliever to be convicted of their sin and recognize they need to be saved. But that conviction also happens for us as believers. Where when there is sin that's present in our life, even as believers, that's been unconfessed, that the Holy Spirit of God convicts us of our sin. You see, one of the beautiful things that we see happening in the book of Acts is that the church looks drastically different from the world around it. The problem oftentimes today is that the church of Jesus Christ doesn't look a whole lot different than the world around it. And that is where conviction comes in to play. The Holy Spirit of God knocking on our hearts as believers and saying, that sin that is present in your life, that sin needs to be confessed. That sin needs to be dealt with. That sin can no longer stay. It must be rooted out like a skilled surgeon would go in and cut the cancer out and remove it. That is the same thing that must take place in our lives as believers. Because hear me this morning, if we want to see revival happen, if we want to see a move of God in our lives and in this country and in this community, it must first happen at home. It must first happen with us. The Holy Spirit of God this morning may be knocking at your heart's door, believer, because there's sin in your life that needs to be confessed and dealt with. 
Not only does the Holy Spirit bring conviction, the Holy Spirit brings clarity. One of the beautiful things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit when He comes is that He will guide people into truth. So I want you to hear me this morning. The prayer that I pray every single week after reading the text is not just a space filler. I don't have enough time as it is. We could keep going. But I'm absolutely convinced that we need our eyes opened, that we need our ears opened, that we need our hearts opened, and the one who accomplishes that is the Holy Spirit of God. And so every single week when you answer the end of that prayer with amen, my prayer is that that truly is the position of our hearts that we want to hear from God. That we want His Word to transform our lives. That's why when you come in every single week, this book is open because God's Spirit works through His Word to open our eyes, to open our ears, and to transform our lives. It doesn't happen apart from the Spirit of God at work in us and through us, helping us to see clearly what God's Word says. But not only does the Holy Spirit bring conviction and clarity, the Holy Spirit brings life transformation and fruitfulness. So as we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we go from being dead in our sins to being made alive together in Christ. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within us. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us. And so the Holy Spirit dwells within us and begins a home makeover in our lives. Transforming us from within. So that we look every single day more and more like Jesus Christ than the day before. And so for us this morning, we need the Holy Spirit because He brings transformation consistently in our lives, making us more and more like Jesus Christ. He also brings fruitfulness in our lives. You've heard about the fruits of the Spirit. If you were a kid, you sang a song about it. But the Holy Spirit of God is the one who works in and through us. To bring about fruit in our lives that demonstrates that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And so what we'll see in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit of God taking people who used to be far from God, transforming their lives, and then using them and bearing fruit in their lives so that the world is turned upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Moving in the lives of people. For us this morning, that is the same thing the Holy Spirit does in us. It's a time for New Year's resolutions. 
You've probably broken them by now. I want you to hear me this morning. The greatest resolution that you could ever make as a believer is that you will be a different person from January 1 of 2020 to December 31 of 2020. Spiritually speaking, the Holy Spirit of God transforming your life. Bearing fruit in your life. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict and bring clarity, bring about life transformation and fruitfulness, but the Holy Spirit also brings comfort and intercession. A great word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit is the word comforter. My wife for Christmas got a weighted blanket. If you have one of those, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have one of those, you're thinking the same thing I was thinking. You'll suffocate under there. (laughs) But my wife describes it this way. She said, Michael, it feels like I'm getting a hug all the time under the blanket. It's a great comfort. The Holy Spirit works in that way in the lives of believers to comfort us. But not only that, to also intercede, to pray, to be our advocate before the throne of God. When we walk through things that we don't know how to deal with, the Holy Spirit of God is at work interceding on our behalf, praying for us when we don't have the words to pray. As we see in the book of Acts, crazy persecution breaking out on the early church. People being thrown into prison. People being murdered because of their faith. And yet, constantly, we see them refer to the Spirit of God who is comforting them even as they are persecuted. See, the truth is for us this morning, church, if we are going to make the impact in this community and in this world that I believe God wants us to make, it will not happen without experiencing opposition. Maybe not human opposition, but certainly spiritual opposition. The last thing that Satan wants to have happen is for North River Church to make an impact in this community. The last thing, the last thing that he wants to have happen is for you to love Jesus with all of your heart. The last thing that Satan wants for you is for you to have a wonderful marriage. The last thing he wants for you is for you to have godly children. And so he will do everything in his power to knock you off course, to stop you from moving forward spiritually. But we have an advocate. We have a comforter. We have an intercessor who dwells within us, the Holy Spirit of God. The church flourished, the church grew, the church transformed the world through the power of the Holy Spirit of God at work in 
and through them. Church, my prayer is that we would not be content doing church. That we would not be content going through the motions. That we would not be content just to come each week to hear a sermon, to sing some songs, and to go home. That we would not be content to just go to life group and go home, but that we would desire, that we would crave, that we would beg God to allow His Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives so that we are transformed, so that this community is transformed, so that this church fulfills the mission that God has given us to fulfill. It will not happen apart from the Holy Spirit of God at work in and through us. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truth that it proclaims. We thank You that it reminds us that North River Church is only successful as we operate in the power of Your Holy Spirit at work in and through us. Father, would You remind us this morning that we cannot accomplish what You want us to accomplish as a faith family apart from Your Spirit at work, apart from the power that Your Spirit provides. Father, I'm convinced this morning that there is someone sitting here today that your spirit is knocking at the door of their heart and they have never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. But this morning they see clearly that they need to be saved from their sin. Father, your word tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart, that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so for that person that's here, or maybe multiple that are here, would you give them the courage this morning to just cry out to you? Between you and them, heartfelt response, I need to be saved from my sin. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe that He died on the cross. That He rose again on the third day. I trust Him for salvation. Father, for the believer that's here this morning, that Your Spirit has knocked at their heart's door, that their sin that they need to confess and deal with this morning, would You give them the courage to do that? Father, would you help us not be content with a life that is not being transformed daily? Not be content not to be bearing fruit in our lives as believers. Father, there are those here, I'm convinced, that need to be comforted this morning. They need to be encouraged. They need to be interceded for, prayed for. 
Father, thank you that your spirit is doing that even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.